Okay, take your Bible and turn to Luke chapter 12. Luke 12, and we're going to read a few verses together, get right to it here tonight. There's not a special before the message. I'm not singing before I preach, all right? So just going to get right to it. And uh, going to use our theme, uh, being harvest time. So we're going to read about a man that had a great harvest, had a great harvest. We'll read a little bit about him. It's a parable. We, uh, all week long, I uh, know some are going to give testimony. Some aren't going to say a whole lot about that. But in the class time, we studied one of Jesus' parables. And it was a great help to all of us. So my effort tonight is uh, just to try to present what the Bible calls the gospel, the good news, the good news uh, that you can know where you're going to go after you die. You can know for sure where you're going to go. You don't have to wait. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to worry. You can know for sure. And I'm sure glad uh, about that, of course. And, um, and just want to make sure everybody here has heard the gospel message. Luke chapter 12. And let's begin reading in, uh, in verse number 13. That'll probably help us to get the, a little bit of the context as we get into it tonight. So my number one goal is to present the gospel and then also just to be um, uh, relatively brief. How's that? <laughs> Could you define relatively? Well, that's, I'm not defining that right now. Okay, verse 13. One of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. That is a family problem. <laughs> They wanted Jesus to solve all their family problems. Well, Jesus can solve problems. But I want to say to you tonight, this man had a problem bigger than his family problem. And that was a problem of his soul. And Jesus knew that. He said, man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? And he said unto them, now there's a multitude there. There's disciples there. There's a, there's a group there. And he says to them, take heed and beware of covetousness, um, which would be greed, Greed, the desire for more, possessions, and so forth. Notice what Jesus said. America needs to hear this, right? A man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he, what? Possesseth. Okay, your life's not all about your stuff. Okay. And he spake a parable. This is our text. Unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, this man thought within himself, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, you ever talk to yourself? Be careful doing that. You might start listening, right? He said to his soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, relax. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. That's what he said, but please notice verse 20. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward who? God. All right. So tonight, I'm really going to focus on verse 19 and 20. 
and honestly just going to focus on a certain aspect of that. So it's a little bit different all the way around, but uh, I believe it needs to be mentioned. And that would be this, the value of your soul, the value of your soul. I'd hope everybody here tonight would think about the value of a soul in general. That's why we had a vacation Bible school to bring kids in that they might think about, I'm going to spend eternity somewhere. Okay. And tonight I hope that you would do the same um, because you are not just a body. You're a living soul, a living soul. So God tonight, please help and bless our time. And uh, bless the time of the singing that will follow those that are going to be baptized tonight. This is a wonderful occasion, Lord, and it's only a wonderful occasion because of the gospel. So help us to make it clear tonight to emphasize here the value of a soul. Thank you for caring about us, dear Lord, like you do. Pray for those on our prayer list that you'd help them. Pray for moms, dads, uncles and aunts and grandparents and uh, family members, Lord, and friends that are here tonight to be a part of this Vacation Bible School program. Pray for our church family as well. Help us, Lord, to be very soul conscious of others like our Savior was. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Appreciate you standing. I have to confess I wasn't always excited about harvest time. As a young man uh, growing up and my parents having a garden, my grandparents having a huge garden. I mean, like, well, as, as, as large, um, I'm looking things over here just a minute. For sure, as deep as the rows here on this front, this front part of the uh, auditorium. In fact, it would definitely be as, as large as this area here and probably going over here. It was a massive garden that they bestowed much goods <laughs> for many years. Seriously, I mean, it was, it was a lot. I didn't grow up on a farm, but Sam grew up on a farm, but I uh, didn't grow up on a farm, didn't have that privilege, but I did a lot that was farm related. Um, but I wasn't always excited about, you know, harvest time. Our theme this year in Bible school was harvest time. Um, mainly, I wasn't excited about it because of what we're experiencing right now, humidity and heat. You know, it was just hot. Now, one, one part I liked about harvest time was when it rained as a little kid. Did you ever run through the garden just in barefoot and mud just caking? Oh, there's nothing. If you've never done it, even as an adult, you need to give it a try. It's, it's pretty awesome, you know, just running through there and making basically mud shoes is what we did as kids. And so, you know, have some, have some good memories and have got some other memories in the garden, you know, and um, have fond memories, picking beans with my parents and grandparents, breaking beans or snapping beans on the back porch with my grandmother in particular, and just talking about life, shucking corn. How many of you have shucked some corn in your life? All right. Oh yeah. You know what I'm talking about. That's good. So harvest time, eating corn's a lot better, but, uh, that time of harvest. Uh, I remember as, as I mentioned to you, it seemed like that row as a, t as a young person, even as a teen, it seemed like that, that row of potatoes, two rows full was like a mile long and digging those potatoes and then gathering them up into, uh, bushel baskets and load them on the back of a, of a, uh, a mower actually, uh, you know, and just a, a bush hog. And, and so anyways, just transporting it. And then on a wagon, it was, it was really some neat memories for me to get to do that harvest time. The man in our text here tonight, it was harvest time and my soul, um, didn't he have one? 
I mean, a harvest time. He looked around and said, look at this. This is a bumper crop. You know that terminology. I mean, this is a huge crop. There's so much that's come in. And, and, he, and he had a problem. He had a problem in this way. He had more goods than he had barns. Now, did you notice in the text it said, I'm going to pull down my barn. So, I mean, he had plural, not one barn, but barns. And so he needed some place to bestow his goods. Now, in the context of this, Jesus is talking about hypocrisy of the Pharisees, which oftentimes the, the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, I mean, they wore no doubt the best clothing, lived in some of the finest homes, uh, but they, they did this. They were making money on people using religion. That's wrong. That's totally wrong. The Bible is completely against that, but that's what the Pharisees did. And they were very covetous. And, and so Jesus was just laying it down with them and making very clear that it's wrong the way that you're treating things, treating people and treating the faith. And, and so he's dealing with them about that. And, and in the midst of all this, I mean, he is teaching some fantastic uh, spiritual truths and then in the midst of the class, well, you might even think it was Bible school. If you looked at verse number one, it says they were gathered together and an innumerable multitude of people in so much that they trod one, one another. That made me think about Bible school right there. Verse number one, how many kids were packed in here, packed into classes and packed into buses. There's nothing like it. So there's all these people that were there. And, and so Jesus is laying it down on the line there. And then there's this man. There's always that guy in class. You know what I mean? That that kid, that guy, that person raised his hand. I don't know if he raised his hand or not, but he said, Master, could you tell my brother to divide the, the inheritance with me? I mean, here's Jesus teaching these great truths. And this man says, uh, Lord, he's not treating me right. You know, a lot of things bring people to church sometimes. It's friends that invite, and we're glad when people come regardless of how you come. Hey, we all had to get here at one point, right? And, uh, but people come for different reasons. Sometimes it's family problems that they come or financial problems or all kinds of things that bring people to church. But let me, let me just say tonight here up front, your greatest problems are not family problems. Your greatest problems are not financial. Uh, your greatest problems uh, are not necessarily at work. Now, all of those are related to the same thing, but your, your greatest your greatest need in this life is to have a right relationship right here with the Lord God. That's the, that's the most important need that you have. And we're getting to the reason why. Problems run deeper than just the surface problems. So Jesus took the time to teach a parable. A parable is an earthly story, as we learned this week. It's an earthly story that has a spiritual meaning. So he tells this story about a man that had more produce than space. Listen to this. He had full barns, but an empty life. You, you know, you could live here in the most prestigious um, neighborhood in Oklahoma City. I mean, gated and nice homes, nice cars. You could have everything and still be empty. It's very true. He had more plans than he had life. He said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to tear down these barns. I'm going to be bigger barns. And I, I'm going to say to my soul, soul, look around here at how good you've got it. Just take your ease. Just relax. Eat, drink, celebrate. That's the idea. Be merry. Just eat, drink, be merry. And listen, friends here tonight, there's a lot of people living right here in Oklahoma City that are eating, drinking, and, and celebrating, and partying, and carrying on 
without any thought for their soul. And if you gain the whole world and lost your soul, what do you have? And Jesus was concerned about the man's soul. This man was concerned about the produce of his soil. Jesus was concerned about the state of his soul. Tonight, God's concerned about you. We're concerned about you. You're a guest here tonight. We're glad, you know, that you came. And, and we're taking this opportunity to try to get the same message to you that we try to get all week, you know, to the kids because you have a soul. You are a soul. In fact, let me say it to you this way. You're not a body that has a soul. You're a soul that has a body. You say, well, what's the difference? Well, a big difference. Because you're primarily a soul that's going to live forever, either, either in heaven or in a literal place called hell. The Bible says very clearly. This man, this man was concerned about the price of wheat, the price of barley, the price of beans, the price of corn. God was concerned about the price of his soul, the value of his soul. Brother Ted, this past week, I understand, I didn't get to attend that particular service. He preached one day this week to the, to the children about the fact that you have a soul a soul and, the, and the, the value of your soul. A man named Warren Wiersbe said this, the greatest tragedy in this story is not what the man left behind, but that he was facing eternity without God. The greatest tragedy, you know, you think, oh man, he lost it all. Well, someday, friend, you're going to lose it all behind. Leave it all behind. We all, we all will. But God's concerned about your soul. You see, your soul, uh, if I use an analogy, um, like a glove. If the glove is here, that glove's not going to move on its own. But you put your hand in it, then it'll move about. Well, your body, this physical body that we're in, it's kind of like that glove. But inside of you is your inner self. It's, it's who you are. It's your, your soul. It's your being. It's, sometimes you see it related to the heart. You see it related to the inward man. It's that part of you that's going to live forever. Your body someday is going to be placed in the grave if Jesus tarries his coming. But the moment you breathe your last breath, you either go into God's presence in heaven or you're apart from God's presence in hell. Our bodies, the Bible says, are like a tent. It's like a tabernacle. Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord for the believer. For the believer. If you've trusted Jesus as your Savior, then you're immediately in God's presence. And uh, what a blessing. What a blessing. The Bible compares it to a tent. I remember one night, Tyler was real small. Um, I mean, well, he was four years old. He was a kid. And we had a, we had a two-man tent. You know how big a two-man tent is? It ought to be for one little man, not a two-man tent. But there, there we were. I thought, okay, I'm going to throw this, this tent up in the backyard, and we're going to spend the night you know, in this two-man tent. And we both crawled in there. Oh my word, that was so tight and cramped. Now he was doing pretty good, but I'm all, you know, curled up. Fortunately, fortunately, a big storm came and we had to go inside. <laughs> you know, he was thinking, oh man, what a bummer. I was thinking, hallelujah. <laughs> I mean, I'm just thankful to God that I was out of that tent. It's nothing like going into your home place. Hey, listen, these bodies start to wear out, don't they? Believers, let me encourage you here tonight. 
even as you get older and things stop working like they used to work, hey, we're just here for a little while. And it gets kind of uncomfortable here, right? Someday we're going home to be with the Lord. If you know the Lord is your Savior, that's the hope that we have. But I, I, need to, I need to hasten here to say to everyone here tonight, the Bible teaches that your soul lives on after your body stops. You see, even after Moses and Elijah, even though they had been dead or passed away for many years, of course, now Elijah was translated, so that's a little different for him. But Moses died and God buried him somewhere. Do you know where? No, nobody knows. God buried him. God buried him. He's buried his body. But then on the Mount of Transfiguration, there was Moses and Elijah speaking with Jesus. See, they kept living after they died. Okay? And the body waits for the resurrection. Brother Ted taught on the rich man and Lazarus. This man fared sumptuously every day. I mean, he had nice clothes. He had a nice home. And there was a beggar named Lazarus that every day he was so, so wretched, so poor that even the dogs came and licked his sores. I mean, I'm telling you, friend, it was, it was a terrible story. But, but he knew the Lord as his Savior. And, and the moment that he died, he was carried immediately to heaven. But the rich man, the moment that he died, he lifted up his eyes, the Bible says, being in torments in the flames of hell. I, I've got to tell you the Bible truth tonight that, that there is a real heaven and there is a real place called hell. Jesus said so. He said so. And we're concerned because the Lord is emphasizing the value of the soul because it is eternal, whereas this life on this side is just temporary. Just temporary. I'm asking you tonight, would you please consider, sir or ma'am, or child, or young person. Where will you go after you die? I'm not, uh, uh, please don't think I'm trying to be morbid here tonight. Uh, we didn't bring you here to try to be discouraging in any way, but to try to be real with you. Because God cares about your soul, how much he died on a cross. While you are yet a sinner, you know what a sinner is? It's anyone who has broken God's commandments. We're soon coming upon the anniversary of my son Trenton's salvation. There's some people here tonight that just recently have trusted Jesus as their Savior. And when you trust him as your Savior, which that, what that means is this. You hear the gospel that Jesus came and he lived a sinless life and he was, he was crucified on the cross. He was buried, but thank God he rose again on the third day on Sunday morning. He was, and he's able to save anyone who would call upon him for salvation. See, it's not your good works that can save you because if it was your good works, then Jesus didn't have to come. There's no good works that you could do that could save yourself. But here's what you ought to do tonight. Trust what Jesus did Trust who Jesus is to be your Savior. And the Bible talks about that as the new birth. And watch this, you are born into God's family. I'm sure thankful I was mentioning Trenton Jr. Cump camp comes around. I think about when he came to me and said, Dad, can I talk with you outside? And I knew what was on his heart because God had been dealing with him. Hey, listen, folks, God deals with children and teens and young people and, and adults alike and, and older people. I thank God for that, that regardless of your age, you got a soul regardless of the age of your body. And he said, Dad, right there. And he pointed to a certain spot out on the sidewalk. And he said, right there, Dad. And let's, let's kneel down. And we knelt down and asked, and he asked the Lord to be his Savior. And at that moment, moment he trusted Christ. Okay. And you can as well. And know for sure where you're going to spend eternity when you die. Two men. One on either side of the Lord Jesus Christ as he was dying on the cross. At first, both of them were mocking him. Both were sinners. They were thieves. 
They'd broken God's commandments. Perhaps, no doubt, had taken God's name in vain. Had lied, other things, but they were dying on the cross because of their sin. Both, listen, both were sinners. Both knew it was just a matter of time until they both died. They were suffocating on the cross. That's how people died on the cross. They couldn't hold their body up. They would bring up and, and get a breath, but then it would, eventually it just overcame them. They knew they were going to die. Both had access to the Lord Jesus Christ. Equal access to Jesus. But you need to know this tonight. One went to heaven when he died. The other went to hell. How do you know that? One said to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said this, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Today. There was no intermediate state. It wasn't like he just died there and then his soul slept. No, he was immediately with the Lord in heaven. His body was still there on the cross, but his soul, his spirit was in God's presence. Two men. One, I mean just moments before he breathed his last breath. One, listen to this, knew where he was going when he died. The other did not. Do you? Folks, um, truly, we don't have much time on this earth. Don't take ease in temporary comforts when you're facing eternal condemnation. That man said to his soul, soul, don't worry about it. Take your ease. Eat, drink, be merry, go on your way. Don't worry about a thing. God called him foolish. My granddad that I told you about earlier that had a farm and raising crops, he said there was a, bear with me here just a minute. He said that there was a woman at the church they went to, Baptist church there where he went to. And he said, she was the, I'm just going to tell you like he told me, all right? I don't want, to, I want you to think I'm trying to be offensive. I'm just going to tell you like he told me. He said, she was the ugliest lady I'd ever seen. <laughs> and he said this, she talked to me all the time about you need to be saved. You need to trust Jesus as your Savior. You're going to spend eternity somewhere. And he, he said she just talked to him all the time about that. You know what happened? My granddad trusted Jesus as his Savior as a young man. I don't remember the age, but in his teens. He said, you know what? That woman became the most beautiful woman I'd ever noticed. What changed? He saw her for who she really was. He saw himself for who he was. He was a soul that was going to spend all of eternity somewhere. And friend, we, we put so much emphasis right here. But it's really what matters most is what's here. The fact that you're a soul 
And Jesus loves you. Pay the ultimate price for you. You're worth more than this world's goods. And he'll save you this very night. Would you stand together with me here? We're going to have an invitation, which means this. I'd like to ask just a couple of questions and then invite you to come. There may be some of you here tonight that God's been working on your heart. Maybe there's somebody in your life like that lady was in my granddad's life. And I mean, if those of you that are coming for baptism, if you'd go ahead and come right now, that would be rather helpful just to get ready for baptism. Just go ahead and make your way to the front. There may be somebody like you tonight that you, um, you've had somebody telling you, you need to be saved. You need to trust Jesus as your Savior. You need to come to church. You need to, you, you need to read the Bible. It's just somebody that's concerned about you, um, that cares about your soul, where you're going to spend eternity. I'm going to ask tonight that every head would be bowed and every eye closed for just a brief moment. Nobody's going to come to you and embarrass you in any way. That's certainly not our intent, but care enough about you to ask a few questions how many of you tonight could raise your hand and say, I know for sure if I died today, I know I'd go to heaven because I trusted Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. Would you raise your hand to that? There was a time when you heard the gospel that we're all sinners. There's nothing we can do to save ourselves, but Jesus paid the price and I trusted him to be my Savior. Would you raise your hand? Thank you. I see hands all throughout the auditorium. Praise God for that. Those of you that just raised your hand. Um, Listen, you, you ought to be concerned about other people's soul and you ought to be growing spiritually. And God, God loves you and, and uh, wants to have a relationship with you. And maybe somebody here that just raised their hand saying, yes, I'm saved, but I'm not in church. Well, let me tell you, friend, uh, your soul is more important than your work and ball games and everything else that's going on. And you need to have a relationship with him that's growing. Now, I wonder tonight if there's anyone here that would say, Brother Jason, I couldn't raise my hand right then to honestly say that if I died right now, I know for sure where I'd go and spend eternity. If, you, if you're like that tonight and you say, I don't know that for sure, but I'm concerned about that, would you just raise your hand real high just so I could see again, I'm not gonna ask anyone to come to where you are, but if you don't know for sure tonight that heaven is where your soul would go after you die, would you please just raise your hand right now and, let me see you. Make sure that I'm seeing you before you take your hand down, if you would. Even just look my way if you're raising your hand and I'm not seeing you. Would you do that just a moment while I wait here? Do you know for sure you're going to go to heaven? Or if you don't know, would you raise your hand? I'm concerned about it. I'm looking around here tonight for just a moment. Okay. I'm not seeing any hands, but I may very well be overlooking someone. I want to invite you to come. If I am overlooking you tonight, certainly... We, want, we care about you and, and you hearing the gospel. I want you to come tonight and know for sure, just like that man did, that heaven is your home. Father, tonight as we have this invitation, would you bless, help those that need to respond to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. Page 251, Jesus is calling.